the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. And this will also be the text for our sermon today. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Who are you following is a question that I have asked myself throughout life. Maybe not explicitly, but implicitly, I can look back and realize I was regularly trying to answer that question, who are you, Larry, following. One point in my life where this is very obvious to me would be middle school. Right? We'd come into middle school. Uh, our middle school back in Chardon, Ohio, northeast Ohio, where I grew up, is similar to, to the middle school here in Summit County in the sense that uh, same age ranges and we had five schools pooling into one. And so those first few weeks, months of middle school, and really throughout all of middle school, I definitely was trying to figure out, well, who, Larry, are you, are you following? Who are you hanging out with? Who are your friends? The, there was a, uh, a side of me that thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm following the band. Maybe I'm a, a band geek. Right? And I don't say that in a derogatory way, just uh, that's the term that gets used uh, regularly, I think, at least in, in the circles I grew up in. I played trombone. I played trombone through high school, and so maybe those were my people that I was following. Uh, or, or maybe it was the jocks. I played football, and I played football through high school and into college, as you know, and and. And so maybe I was following the other football players and the other athletes. But there were times where I questioned, like, well, it doesn't seem like I quite fit in with the band or fit in with the football team. There is a a group of kids, and this is definitely a Chardon, Ohio-specific term, a group of kids referred to as the Muzzies. And the muzzies, that's a weird word, right? I don't know, maybe you could say like the greasers or the, the skaters, right? right? So you kind of know who I'm talking about. And uh, the, the kids that you know, wore chains hanging from their, their belt loops and had black hair, black makeup, black clothes, black, 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 right? 
But for at least for a while, it seemed like they accepted me. They liked me. Maybe I was part of them, following, following with them. There were yeah, kids, exactly. Now, I got another one for you. <laughs> um, any, any 90s children here, kids who grew up in the 90s, remember the, the hip-hop group Criss Cross? Anyone? All right, so, yeah, good, good. All right, <clears throat> Criss Cross, if I remember correctly, uh, they were a one-hit wonder. I think uh, Jump was their song. Um, Mac Daddy's going to make you jump. Jump, Daddy Mac's gonna make you jump, jump. You know anyone? And well, their gimmick, their gimmick, the crisscross, wore their clothes backwards. And so I thought, and as a sixth grader, that maybe I want to be like them, follow them. I literally wore my clothes backwards to school one day. <laughs> Fortunately, only made that mistake once because I was quickly uh, reminded or told, like, that's not who you, Larry, are following. <laughs> and you can fill in the reasons why they're probably all true, right? That was middle school for me. High school, I got really devoted to, to football. So at that time in my life, the people I was following were people like Christian Walsh. And Rick Warner, uh, and uh, let's see, Scott Neal, names that mean nothing to you, but as a ninth grader in high school, they meant everything to me, because they were the seniors on the football team. They were not only the seniors on the team, the leaders on the team, they were the leaders of the state champion, 1994 state champion football team. And as a ninth grader, I looked up to them. That's who I wanted to. Corey Rice. I want to be like him. I want to follow him. And then even through through college, uh, I, I uh, continued following. You know, prof- there's professors, the seminary professors that I followed. Even to this day, there are pastors that I follow, learn from, and. This isn't meant to be a judgment, just an acknowledgement on my part that throughout my life there have been various people that I have followed, some for better, some for worse. I mean, e- even following pastors, there have been pastors that I followed, that I admired, that I tried to be like, and then headlines of the news the next day is their moral failure. But it's worth acknowledging, I think, that we do follow people in this world, in our lives. And my question maybe for you is, who are you following? Think of the kids when they're little. A few, oh, maybe four or five years ago, I'm thinking, it was Halloween, and the kids were going around, Joy, Isaac, Asher were going around trick-or-treating, and Asher, I don't know, three, four at the time, and his little legs were moving as fast as he possibly could to keep up with his big brother and big sister as they went trick-or-treating. He was following them. He wants to be like them, right? I don't know. Who, is there someone that comes to mind for you as you think of people that 
you follow in your life? Crisscross, anybody? No. <laughs> yeah, Patricia. Okay, tell me about Patsy Claremont. She's a speaker, a woman of faith. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Patsy Claremont, someone that you follow in the faith, right? That that you want to be like, absolutely. I lo- thank you for sharing that. And and just so you know, I'm I'm just repeating this because we will have some viewers that are, are joining us online, and so I want them to be able to hear everything that's being said, right? So anyone else have people that you have followed for good or for bad? Uh, in, in your life. Bill, go ahead. Ah, all right. We're not worthy, right? Yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? So, uh, uh, German pastor, uh, someone I admire myself, uh, that in the uh, hours leading up to World War II, he was safely in the U.S., and he said, nope, I'm going to go back to, to my people in Germany, because if I'm not there with them during the war, I can't minister to them after the war. And he ends up uh, being martyred for his faith in Christ, right? And anything else you'd like to add to that, Bill? Yeah. And, and uh, this is a, a side note, too, but as we're going through this Matthew sermon series, and I'll talk about this more in a minute, but uh, one of his books, The Cost of Discipleship, is a book that I'll, I'm going to be leaning on heavily, right? So, very good. Yes, Stephen. Uh, Sure. Amen. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, all right. So, um, yeah, I think everyone, can we all say Jesus, Luther, Bonhoeffer, right? Like, that, I think that, that, that fits into this room. Oh, Kierkegaard. Yeah, there you go. Okay, good. So, a- anyone else? Uh, someone, and it doesn't have to be a religious leader. There's someone in your life that... You have followed. Brian. Tom Fry, who is a professor at University of Illinois, yeah, and helped shape you. I think we, a lot of us can think of maybe teachers, whether it be elementary level or college level or wherever, that had lots of impact on our, our lives. Uh, we, something, someone else that we may follow, um, we might follow people in, kind, and you're kind of going this way in relation to work, and maybe someone who's successful in the same business that we're in, and so we, we follow them, admire them. In our world today, and maybe you can kind of pick up on this from the, the graphic that we have, uh, social media is a, a huge place where people follow people, right? I mean, explicitly say, like, 
do you want to follow this person on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram? And there are all kinds of uh, pros and cons to this sort of, of followership. But it's worth, I think, just acknowledging the fact that in social media that we, we are when we, when we like someone, when we f- see their news feed, when we follow them, we're being influenced by them somehow. I mean, that term is a relatively new term, but influencer, you heard that one before. And uh, that's, a, that's a thing now. That's what people do. They just, they're a social media influencer, and they have thousands, millions of people that, that follow them on, on YouTube or, or whatnot. So following, and, and maybe to get a little bit more sinister on this, uh, The Social Dilemma is a documentary on Netflix. Anyone seen that? All right. And it, on The Social Dilemma, this documentary has a bunch of people that worked within social media, within Facebook, that talked about how they would create algorithms so that you, the the, uh, I don't know, followers, I guess, on the people, you know, on social media, that you would see the stuff that you would like so that you would follow it more, so that you keep scrolling and keep, like, the whole goal is to keep the scroll moving and, and keep you on, locked into social network to the point where it's like matrixy kind of stuff, where it's like they're, they're out there, right? And, uh, so we're, we're all following someone, and of course, I'm sure many of you have already gotten here. This is in line with our Lord Jesus and his call. And what was his call to us? Follow me. Right? Way before social media, way before American football, way before crisscross, right? Jesus said, Follow me. And so let's talk about that and, and let's take a little time. We're, we are starting a new sermon series today. And this is a, a sermon series that through the book of Matthew, it's a sermon series specifically about discipleship. Now that's a, a big church word. That's, and some people have commented to me, well, disciples, aren't those just the people that lived with Jesus at the same time 2,000 years ago? Well, yes, it was them, but it's also us today, too. You and I are disciples if, uh, of Jesus if we have said, yes, we're going to, to follow you. We're going to follow you and because we trust you. And, and so we're, we're going to spend time talking about discipleship. We're going to talk about following Jesus. We're going to take some time. The book of Matthew is a, is a good-sized book. Here's your, your heads up, warning, take of what it is. We're going to spend one year in Matthew. Now, I'm, I'm trying to break this up to make it palatable. We're not just going to go uh, cover to cover. We're, we're going to break it up. So in the next few weeks, we're going to spend time in Matthew's Christmas Advent-y sections, right? And then in, in Epiphany, we're going to spend some time about 
times where, where Jesus really appeared to people. During Lent, we're going to take a time to look at the places of the passion of Christ. And, so, and, and all, though, through the lens of the book of Matthew, with this goal that we, as a church, are filled with individuals who can say, I am a follower of Jesus. Jesus, in our text today, has just started his earthly ministry. Everything else leading up to Matthew chapter 4 is background, and we'll, we'll get there in the next few weeks, where Matthew is kind of laying out the context for Jesus and who Jesus is. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he hits the ground running, right? He, he gets to business. He's about 30 years of age at this point, and he's starting his three-year ministry. And when he starts his ministry, he's going around, he's up in this region of Galilee, and he's calling disciples. And I want us to, to see here two things. The oddity of Jesus' call and the immediacy of the response. So the oddity, first of all, uh, Jesus walking around, Jesus, no formal education. As far as anyone could tell, Jesus was a small-town boy from Nazareth, carpenter's son, no formal education, and he's going around, and, but he's, he's calling people to, to follow him. And even in, in Jewish circles, in that context, this was a weird thing, right? That usually Jewish rabbis, who Jesus would have kind of fallen into that category, Jewish rabbis wouldn't go around trying to recruit disciples to follow them. No. Jewish rabbis went through school, and they, they taught, and as they taught, students would apply to be their disciples, there's not one time in, in any history that we have of Jewish rabbi-disciple relationship that we see a rabbi going to disciples and recruiting them except for Jesus. So Jesus is going around and he's walking the Sea of Galilee. And his call is, well, it's kind of odd. Even by Jewish standards, come Follow me. And what do Peter and his brother Andrew and their friends James and John, all four of them are, are fishermen, what do they do when Jesus says, follow me? Immediately, they drop their nets. Immediately, they get out of the boat. Immediately, they leave their father. And follow Jesus. I think it's worth noting for us today in the 21st century these two things about following Jesus, about being his disciples. First, 
it's odd. And, it's, and for us to say that it's anything else other than odd uh, would be a deceit to ourselves. I think that the shift of our world, of our culture, where Christianity and the church is, it has been moved from the center of the community to the margins of the community is almost a good thing for us as followers of Christ. Because when the church is just kind of front and center, uh, the pri- a, a primary aspect of each community, then we sort of get lulled to sleep, thinking, oh, this is a normal thing to, to wake up early on Sunday morning and go to church. What else is odd about following Jesus in our world today? Well, when we follow Jesus, if we stick around him very long, we realize that he has high moral standards. His view of sexual uh, ethics, boom, it's out there. Of marriage, boom, it's out there. Uh, of, of love, not just for people in our family, but even for people who aren't like us, even for people who persecute us, who hurt us. Jesus says, yeah, turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. All kinds of verses that we're going to get to throughout this year, throughout this series. It is a little bit odd, maybe a lot bit odd, to follow Jesus in a world that maybe has distanced itself from religion, uh, who has made its religion things like science. We're all for science as Christians. God created the heavens and the earth. Science helps us to understand that. But there are times when it comes following Jesus, following science. Who do we trust? Do we trust the science? Do we trust Jesus? Sometimes it looks a little odd to follow Jesus. It looks odd. And there's an immediate response that Jesus is expecting of us. When Jesus calls us, he's not waiting for us, or, or he, he's not calling us with the expectation that, well, we're going to, go home and get our affairs in order. In fact, when, when people come to him and said things like, well, first let, it, let me go bury my, my father. Jesus' response was pretty drastic. A little bit odd. Let the dead bury their own dead. You, come follow me. Ooh. I mean, e- even to the point where we see... James and John leave their, their dad, Zebedee. Now, this isn't to say that they didn't have a relationship with their father anymore after this. Of course, we see throughout the Gospels, we see Peter's mother-in-law show up. We see James and, and John's mother show up later in the Gospel. They're still around. But what is Jesus saying? He's like, no, follow, follow me first and foremost. It's odd, and it's immediate. 
Sometimes people have tried to, to look at this immediacy of the call as Matthew gives it to us, and, and they move to John's gospel. And they say, well, actually, the disciples, some of the disciples, Andrew being one of them, they, they kind of knew about Jesus. They'd heard about him before. And so uh, it wasn't quite as immediate and drastic as maybe we would at first glance think based on Matthew's account. But Matthew's account still stands. For, for some reason, Matthew made this look so immediate and so odd. And I think he wants us to, to wrestle with that in our lives. That there, there isn't time for us to just sit back and, yeah, maybe when we get there. Maybe, maybe in my retirement years. Or, or maybe when I grow up. Maybe when I, I get done with, with school. Or whatever example. No. Immediately, these four fishermen followed Jesus. But why? Two things I would point to in our text here and an advantage of time we have that over James and Andrew and, and John and Peter is that we know who Jesus is. <laughs> when Jesus calls, when he speaks, when he, when he calls us, he speaks as one with authority, with supreme authority, right? He speaks as one who created the heavens and the earth. He speaks as, as one who cares for uh, this earth and for this world, who loves this world. We, we also know what Jesus did for us on the cross. So badly did he want you to follow him, to follow him immediately, that he was willing to go to the cross and die for you, for your sake, for your sins, so that you could have his life. We know this about Jesus. We, we also know that when, when Jesus called these four fishermen, what are they responding to? Of course, Come follow me, Jesus' invitation, his gracious invitation. But right before that, he, he says this in verse 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That might sound kind of like gobbledygook to us. Like, what does that even mean? Two parts to this. Uh, first, re repentance is the Greek word metanoia is, is change your mind. Think differently. Something new is happening. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is the very thing that the Jewish, that, I'm sorry, that the Jewish people growing up were longing for. We're craving, we're desiring deep down the kingdom of heaven. That's when God breaks in. That's when their little nation, Israel, would flourish again. So when Jesus comes around saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it, it's coming, it's here, Jewish ears perk up. 
And they want to know, is this guy for real? The kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus says. I mean, it's like you can reach out and touch it. It's right there. It's not something far off in the future. The kingdom of heaven was at hand because Jesus was there. And he's calling with authority. He's calling. And the response of the disciples, and Lord willing, our response today, is one of immediacy. One of the books that I'm referencing through this series is a book called Follow Me, Discipleship According to St. Matthew by Martin Franzman. Uh, this was a, Martin Franzman was a professor at my alma mater, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And he, he writes this about the immediacy uh, of, of following Jesus. He says this, The renunciation involved in the response to Jesus' creative call is therefore no leap into the dark with eyes closed and teeth clenched. It is the leap into the arms of the Father who clothes the lilies and feeds the birds. Why can we respond with immediacy to such an odd call? Because we know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus has done for us. We know that Jesus has gone to the cross for us and he graciously invites us today to follow him. So it's okay if we follow other people, social media, artists, celebrities that we like, that sort of stuff. But we do so, we follow these other people in light of Jesus, right? And so when these other people start going ways, saying things, doing things that eh, I don't think that lines up with Jesus, that's where we say, no, we follow him. We follow our Lord. And following Jesus is filled with so many promises. To Peter and Andrew and James and John, he said, I will make you fishers of men. We too, as we follow Jesus, will be given new purpose in our life. And as we follow Jesus, we do so knowing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the one who gives us eternity. And so, what are the things that we we get to say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus today, oh, too. Uh, maybe it's sports. You know, you know <laughs> I like the Ohio State Buckeyes. If I was following the Buckeyes, if they were my idol, if they were my source of hope and joy, I would have had my heart crushed yesterday. <laughs> Ugh. Fortunately, Jesus says, follow me. 
And part of that was getting to baptize Bill's grandchildren during the Buckeye game. And I, that, I, that was a conscious decision on my part. No, I'm following Jesus here. Thanks be to God, right? Uh, who, who do you follow in life? You know, maybe sports. Sports will let you down at some point. You'll, your knee will go bum, right? Uh, you're you're, you're going to wipe out. You're going to get a concussion. No, I'm not going to go skiing today. I'm going to go follow Jesus, right? Fill in the blanks. There are so many work is another place. So many places. No, I'm not going to put in a couple more hours because I follow Jesus and Jesus tells me I need to love my wife and children. I follow him. So I hope you guys are excited about this series as I am. These next few weeks, we're going to take a look at, a closer look at who Jesus is. Jesus's genealogy. Why is he worth following? Both for Jewish people in the, in the first century AD and for us today. So, follow me. That's what Jesus says. Who are you following? I pray that your response is, I follow Jesus first and foremost because he's been so good to me. Amen.